Hey everybody, welcome back to Movies on Our Minds, guys, the podcast in Atlanta to where we get to talk about movies. It has uh, been a minute since I got an episode up due to everything that's going on in the world, but I have one guest returning with me. We were talking about a movie that he actually brought up to me. I was like, oh yeah, we got to talk about this film. Uh, before I reveal what it is, I'm going to introduce a good friend across from me, Chris Kelly. Hey everybody, how's it going? <laughs> oh. I hope they're doing good. <laughs> yeah, they could. Not like they could hear me. <laughs> right, but um, the movie that we are talking about today, guys, is Upgrade, directed by Lee Wanell. Um, this movie came out. Uh, what was it a few years ago now? Like 2018, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about a cyberpunk action body horror film about. Uh, it's about a man who is crippled, and what they do is they implant a chip in him to revive him and that's where the story goes from there uh chris how did you come across this movie i came across this from a friend of mine uh, mark who had been telling me for a while now to watch this because he said that i would love it and i never really got around to it but Mm -hmm. i finally did the other day and my mind blew up really (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't believe it i was like this storyline is so beautiful um, like you said, it's about a man, uh, Gray Trace, who's played by Logan Marshall Green, which you may remember from Devil. Actually, uh, what did you think of Devil? That was like, I thought that was so good. Devil was interesting, but actually where I remember him from, which is crazy, is Spider-Man Homecoming. He was in that? He was the first shocker. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when I first saw that, I was like, wait, is that Tom Hardy in Spider-Man Homecoming? <laughs> is that is that pre-Venom? What is that over there? <laughs> And it was like, nah, it's just a guy that looks like him. But that's where I personally uh, knew him when I saw Upgrade. Hmm. I remember him from Devil and The Invitation, if you ever got around to seeing it. I didn't see The Invitation. The Invitation is really good. It's a uh, pretty low-budget horror film um, about a guy who goes to a party. And mm-hmm. it's all about this invitation about going to almost like a cult. Mm-hmm. It's a very strange film, very offsetting but it's made that way is it a period piece no it's not a period piece okay it takes place in the in the now uh but it's very very well done and there's a great scene with him that i'm not gonna go too much into but um he plays the character gray trace who's uh i guess you would call him like a stay-at-home mechanic yeah i think they uh described him as a technophobe yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. He's not really big into that. Yeah. He's big into technology. Which is why I like the way we were introduced to him. He's just fixing a, a car in a garage. Yeah. But when you open up the garage, you see the world he really lives in. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, I buy that. But uh, where, where else were you saying? Oh, sorry. Um, it takes place with him and his wife, uh, Asha Trace, who's played by Melanie uh, Vallejo, who was the Blue Ranger and Power Rangers uh, Mystic Force. That's Interesting. Yeah. So um, with those two characters, she works for a rival um, computer company. She's a very successful woman. And um, Gray decides to take her out for a drive, and they go to meet with... Uh, what was it? Uh, Aaron. Was it Aaron? Yes, Aaron. Uh, played yeah. by Harrison Gilbertson. So they go to meet up with him, and he uh, explains to him about the cloud and what he's and what he's doing and how it's really going to affect the future and their car when they're, whenever gray and Asha are driving back to their home gets taken over. I guess you could call them like cyber terrorists is kind of a good Something way like to put that. It. Yeah. So they take over the car, crash it and they kill her. They kill Asha and paralyze gray. Right. 
And then Gray, it takes place three months later. He's clearly not in a very good point in his life. Mm -hmm. And he has different machines that do things for him. He then gets to meet up with Aaron, who explains to him that he's created this thing called STEM, where he will implant this STEM, which is you know roughly the size of your fingernail, mm-hmm. on your spine, and he'll have complete function again. So he does, and Gray does. And he's fantastic. There's no movement. There's no issues with moving. At first, I'd say he's a little stiff, but that's to be had. He's not really rough and around the edges like you would imagine. There's no like years of... Uh, development. It's right. just instantly he's good to go. And he tells, um, Aaron tells Gray that no one can know about this. So I want you to use it as you would at your home, but when you're out in public, you still have to use your wheelchair. Right. And while he, Gray is watching the surveillance footage of his wife being killed, he hears a voice that says, did you see it? Instantly he's freaked out. So he's like, what, what, what is that? I must be going insane because I'm, now I'm hearing voices. Turns out Stem is talking to him. Stem then shows him in the video that there was a, um, a picture of a military tattoo on one of the, one of the guys who killed his wife and paralyzed um, Gray. And they, he draws the image. Um, from, Stem drew, takes over Gray's body, draws the image onto a sheet of paper. And he's like, I don't know how to do this. I think this is a military tattoo. Stem tells him that he can scan it for him. He scans it for him and he immediately knows who the person is. And then Gray says, Oh great. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call uh, agent Cortez. I'm going to, we're going to bust this person. And he's stem tells him, well, we can't really do that because we don't have the, the images through me, not through the image that you have. We don't know for a fact that this person was involved in killing. You need to confront this person and talk to them. He's like, how am I going to do that? Smash cut to him outside of the dude's house mm-hmm. in the wheelchair. So good. Um, they go, they even sees him outside after the guy leaves. Um, Gray then goes into his house and we find out that it is this person. The guy then comes back and then one of the greatest rumble fight scenes in uh, history, in cinema history happens. I, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm the studio. You're pitching me the treatment of, <laughs> of, of, uh, of Gray like I haven't seen the film either. I'm like, I was like, what did you think about the film? Well, let's start from the beginning of the movie. Where I, got I was like, I, are we talking about the... We are talking about the movie, but with all that being said, from there on, that's when... Uh, that's whenever everything, everything goes crazy. And so... But um, yeah, what, what was it about the movie that you liked? Like for me... You know, you know, before I even talk about, it, I want I want to hear more. Like, what did you like about the film? I loved just about everything in this movie. I felt that um, even with its budget restraints of, it's been estimated between three to five million is what, how much this movie cost. The movie is beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, I think what makes it better is that it takes place in a not so distant future, and it feels real. As we were discussing earlier, it feels very real. Like this is yeah, this is probably what will happen. Um, I believe the movie takes place 38 years into the future. They don't tell you, but it's, I, I've read online that there's a rough estimate that the, they say that Asha was 38 in the movie. So that means, uh, but no, no, I'm sorry. It says that her birth date was 2018, but her age is 38. So if you do the rough math there, was that like 2056? Is that right? Maybe it's something like 2066 that. somewhere in there. 
But see, that's the thing is like you're so engulfed as to like when does this take place that you have to look at the characters, birth date, and everything yeah. like that to put it together. Because <laughs> what like when I uh, first saw this, the movie, of course, it is a really great film. To be honest, uh, I love the characters. Um, I love the action sequences. Ooh. Oh my goodness, the, the the scene where he goes to the house and the way it was shot, I I thought like this is. This is almost mind blowing. At the same time, it's like I can't, I know what they're doing, and it's not, you know, rocket science. It's just the way that they chose to uh, show you when STEM takes over. Yeah, and I, that's what that's visually showing you, and what, I loved that. What did you think about uh, Gray whenever STEM took over, like his movements? Did you think that it was it was accurate as to how a a robot would move? It was you. You can definitely just tell when STEM was taken over. Of course. And I, I just appreciated that about it. And even like the scene when they're in the kitchen and he's like, Stim, he has a knife. I was like, kudos to uh, Logan because he is pulling this off to where his head and his face is, is not on his body. It's, yes. It's like they're two different things at the same time. One of the things I noticed in that scene, that, that first fight scene, is that when he moves his head, Stem mm-hmm. has to physically move his head because uh, Gray still can control his head. Right, it's small little things like that that small I caught. Details. It's like that is amazing. That but, whole fight scene, it's just and he's like uh the guy is choking Gray on the mm-hmm. on the floor. He's like, take over one and thank you. Bam <laughs> kicks him. I mean it's like an all out ass whooping. And the way that uh, they shot it, uh was it like a uh not like a wide shot, but um like a, was it like a wide tracking shot to where they like they were uh, following him from the ground up? I don't know, like how how would oh, you, you mean how did the camera yeah. movement? You know, it's interesting you should say that. Uh, I didn't want to break it out this early in the podcast, but I have a quote from the actual operator uh, from the, from the film. Oh, great! Um, it's a it's an entire piece that he put together on the SteadyCamForum.com. It's from Andrew AJ Johnson. He was the AR rig operator and the B cam op and SteadyCam op for this movie. Uh, so he said. Um, we used my MKV Omega R rig, which is upgraded version of the AR together with the Omega control app for the iPhone written by guru Ruben Stutzler. I believe that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the app uses the iPhone's gyro and accelerate accelerometers to control the roll position of the Omega rig. We shot all the fight scenes on a special on a few special shots with this technique basically strapping the iPhone tight to the actor's chest or waist, depending on what movement we wanted the camera to follow. It gets a bit of, it gets a bit of getting used to for to but for quick cuts and extended steady cam choreography, we found that it was super effective way of emphasizing the actor's movements with the app. You can also, you can, uh, with the app, you can also program set moves into it. So for one shot, we wanted the camera to do three, one-fourth spins uh, 1170 degrees at a predetermined speed to follow a stunt performer flipping. We simply dialed that into the app and triggered it for the shot. That was the shot of the guy doing three cartwheel flips, and then the camera stops dead level as we follow him out the door. Sounds like they have their own stem. I felt very much the same way when I read that. I was like, holy shit, did they did they create their own stem? Is this a promo for the stem that's going to be coming out? I don't know. But that but. guy was also one of the camera operators on uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Almost everybody who did Mad Max Fury Road worked on this movie because they were both shot in Melbourne. 
Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but to, uh, to go back to it, yeah, the action sequences were uh, beautiful. But what is scary to me about this film, and it's funny because you see all these type of horror films out there, and you know everyone has their own type of fears. But for me, this looks as we said looks so close to the future and that's why they don't have a date on it that's why you have to uh, look into it because it's like now nah, this could be 10 years could be 15 years but it feels like this is the closest that we're getting i think the only thing about the film that seemed a little like okay that's their science fiction part thrown into it is i think they have flying cars if i'm not mistaken they had they definitely had cars that were activated like you could just type in where you wanted it self-drove now that, i don't know about driving i mean air driving I, it could be a different movie that um, I'm pretty sure there was like one establishing shot to where I saw like a flying car. I could be wrong, but that was like the only thing. Everything else, like uh, yeah, uh, uh, smart cars to where yeah. you can type in is like that's not too far. If you no, uh, I give that another two years. Yeah, we'll and, definitely have that. And to which I don't want that personally. Nope. This is just personally uh, for us, but it showed that is uh, there. But uh, the implement of chips. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, that's scary to me. That is definitely something that'll probably happen. And then you could program them to what you want as yes. opposed to working your way to that ability. Um, you could well, then it, just program to say like, I want to learn jujitsu, type it in there, and then you know how like to Like Matrix it. type deal. So exactly. it's, like, it's like one of those things is like without uh, trying to go too deep within the religious uh, point of view about this, but that's when they're talking about, you know, Mark of the Beast, you know, like if you take this... You'll go to a specific place, and you know I don't want to bring that so much into the equation, but that's all I couldn't stop thinking about when I was watching this. And the and what's interesting is like the way this movie depicts it is like yeah, it may seem well, but at the end of the day, all this type of technology chipping and whatnot, it still results in a negative. At yeah. the end of the day, you still lose most of the uh, uh, artificial intelligence films when it comes to uh, showing that there's a positive at the end. There's always something behind the curtains and it shows that it's really a negative towards the end of the day. Even if you want to say something like, like Terminator too. Yeah. It's an action, uh, blockbuster and whatnot, but still it's the artificial intelligence. And I don't know, I can go all day about it. And then for another example is like the upgrade poster. Have you actually seen the poster for upgrade? Yeah, It's the last shot of the movie. Yeah. But if you see the way it's shot, like from what I'm uh, seeing, it looks like behind, uh, Logan's uh, face, Logan's head, is an actual barcode. Like it looks like a barcode, which is uh, one way that it depart uh, depict as like the mark of the beast, whatever. So it looks like a barcode behind him because all you got to do is scan. Because when you put like a chip in you, all they got to do is scan to get all your information. And then it's the color red, blood. Yeah, or devil whatever like how far you want to go with it but that's just like how i looked at it i like that i thought that was without even seeing the movie or the trailer i thought that was the chip immediately when it's not it's just him in the background of uh the end of the film and then it says not man not machine more and so like it's a great tagline it is actually so again it's just uh to me it was just uh, scary because i don't, I don't want to be chipped i don't want to go uh like, don't force that upon me. If it gets I mean, to, we already kind of have something similar to that, but I. But it's like that just has your financial information on it, uh, the the rice chip that you can get an implant on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's. I'm not okay with it, but I mean, this movie does seem like it's going to be going. It, it, it seems like that we're moving in that direction. Of course, this is done by the the Bloomhouse people, who would then put a darker spin on it. 
Yeah, but like you said, I don't want to do it. Yeah, they do have that you know, human rights trip, but I think it'll get to the point to where you either take it to survive or not the whole new world. Who knows? It's scary to think about, honestly, guys. That's one of my fears, personally. But So with that being said, watching the film, like, yeah, I'm watching a kick-ass action film. I love the scene to where he's in the kitchen. I love the scene where he goes and finds the guys and he says, like, all right, Stem, you can take over. And then yeah. he gets up and <laughs> kicks their ass. Like, I'm the, laughing and the, having the a good fight time. with Tolan. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Um, I th- That guy looked a lot like someone that I knew, Tolan. I thought it was him because he's an actor. Mm -hmm. And I was going to call him up and be like, you son of a bitch. How come you didn't tell me you were in this movie? But when he talked, I knew it wasn't him. But I was, it it looked just like him. Um, But yeah, that guy, uh, he's been in the business for almost 30 years. He was on um, Quantum Leap and Matrix Reloaded Mm. and Star Wars Episode 3. Interesting. So that's definitely a guy. I mean, it seems like all the people that they got to portray the antagonist in this movie has a, they have a history of kicking ass. So at least they, you know, there's a good balance there. I was gonna ask, what did you think about the? Uh, oh, not to mention the other fight scene when it was like a stem versus the. Uh, what was um the the bad guy? Uh, what was it a, a Tolan? I think was it Tol- Tolan. Tolan was the guy that's in the um when he goes to, is it Boneyard? Is the name of the bar? Where he goes to the he goes to the he goes to the bar, and then uh, yeah, and then he Tolan sneezes. is the guy. No, that's afterwards. Uh, Fisk is the name of the guy Benedict Hard, uh, who does the who sneezes on the bartender. Okay, that's who I'm that's talking about. After this fight scene, but the scene with Tolan is the one where he's uh, he's pretending to be that he's still a cripple, and then he says, "Okay," because he's like, "Yeah, I was there whenever I killed you." Oh, the one that uh, stole the wheel- wheelchair. Yes. Okay. 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 No, so not Tolan. Fisk. Fisk. Um, this the scene between uh, Gray versus Fisk. That oh, was the us. Yeah, I was that's like, a showdown and a half. Yeah, because it's like two uh, artificial intelligences within a body going against one another. So it's like, and again, the way it was shot was beautiful. So with all that being said, it looked great. But uh, what did you think about the end? Oh, even like the way, um, uh, not to bring it up, but again, the uh, technology part about it with the uh, futuristic cars. It's like another reason I don't want this because I don't want people to know where I'm driving to or where I'm going yeah. to. It's just like, it's a sense of privacy that's being invaded, but bad you know, enough with an iPhone, people just look you up. And I feel like, you see, that's the thing is like with the, uh, the chip in the hand, it's like, there's a line to be drawn. That's the way I look at it. It's like, okay, you want my information, you want my records. You honestly could find that today, not trying to put it out there, but if you are really that big on hacking and and you want to look up information mm-hmm. about people, it's possible to figure out today. But the way that we, that we live in this world Evolution, man will never stop with evolution. We always continue to move forward. We can mm-hmm. never just stop and be satisfied, which is why, not to also sound bad, but the uh, virus that's going around today, the coronavirus, is like, this is actually like, in a way, you can look at it as a break. Like, if you just <laughs> stop what you're doing, go home, take a breather, learn what, just learn think about, yeah, think, just think about your life and where you're going from here. You know, but that's a different conversation to uh, take place. But that's the thing. It, to me, it's just like there is a line to be drawn. You can put so much technology around us. Hell, even like the Apple Watch. You don't think there's a tracker in there? Of course, yeah. You don't think that, there's... That's ridiculous to think that. Yeah, you don't think there's information in this thing that's around your wrist that like... Somehow it knows your heartbeat. Somehow it knows yeah. everything about you. And it's like uh, if, if you start having heart problems, which is actually pretty nice if you think about it, it could call the, call 911 for you. Right, and to where, that's what I'm saying, to where to a certain degree, 
there's a line to be drawn. But yes. then that to where now now we're just putting it within you, putting some type of machine machinery into your body. That's when it's that like could then have people moving and everything, which would then uh, everybody who's been paralyzed. I think it would be it, it's great for them, but at the same time, who's the person who's behind that? Because it's not just being programmed and then your free will. There's always right. going to have to be someone behind that, which is what we see with Fisk. And we find out whenever Stem is speaking with Gray, saying a Fisk is attempting to deactivate this as we're talking. Which I had questions and concerns about that when it came to the end of the film. So I was wondering if you uh, wanted... Oh, sorry. I mean, with Aaron. Aaron, not Fisk. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron yeah, yeah, is trying yeah. to deactivate it. But, um, which... I didn't understand that because if you want to just jump to the end of the film real quick, the whole entire plot twist that yeah, it was. I, I, I get the plot twist, but I just didn't think it was necessary. It's like you were part of this whole plan anyways. And it's like, what? Yeah. I think it's going on for a little bit stretch, but the way I viewed the ending, uh, was again, going back to something that artificial intelligence will win at the end of the day, no matter how much you think you're, uh, ahead of the game, no matter how much free will or whatever, even though you created it at the end, this part of technology, this piece that's within, that's within you, that is going to win at the end of the day. And I hope some people, if uh, upgrade is like a little foreshadowing of what is to come, I hope some people can go back and look at that and see like that is also a part of the message. So if you are thinking twice about it, like, okay, I'll learn Kung Fu, I'll learn this, I'll learn that. Like, I feel like the they'll start off from the bottom and work uh, uh, their way to the top, like start off with like homeless people that have nothing to lose or uh, people that are, um, or amputees or, mm-hmm. you know, like certain demographic before it gets to the point to where now everyone has it. And hopefully it'll get to a point to where we as a people will say no, stop, cross it, or I don't know what's going Cro- to be Crossing this. too many lines of... Yeah, and then we we will have to stand up ourselves and it's like, no, that's not... We're, we're not going to accept that. I don't know how that's going to work in the future, but I'm just saying, looking back at this movie, I'm just glad that that is how they ended it, showing that this was the villain from the beginning of the film. That in fact, not only was he one that set it up, but the person that created him, he even took over his company, his production, and he forced him to do that. And guess what? At the end, he killed his own creator because he's like, I'm taking control. Yeah. And stem, so stem 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 took over at the end of the day. Yeah. So and then the the, the final scene to where um he shot uh Gray. I didn't understand that per se. So it was like so he, quote unquote, killed Gray, if I'm not mistaken, or did he like put him down to sleep because Gray went to like this imaginary world to where his wife, basically the car accident did happen, but after that he woke up, the wife lived, he's just uh, recovering from that. But I was like, so is he dead or did you knock him out? I think he's kind of, he's in like a shell of a place now where he, uh, he says, um, the hacker tells him, tells Gray that people prefer the alt, um, gosh, the online world to reality because it's more forgiving or it's, it's nicer. You can create your own world. So STEM then put him in his own alternate reality, which would have been that his wife was alive and everything would be back to normal. And then he uh, killed uh, Detective Cortez right after that. Yeah, he'd have to. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no, around, no way around that. And even if, you know, if STEM kills Cortez, 
Um, then he kills Aaron and it's, where is he going to go from there? I guess it doesn't really matter because he's now a machine. They wouldn't be able to hold him anyways. Right. So like, even if he does get arrested by the police, you know, he could still just go wreak havoc. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But I will say it does leave uh, for a sequel. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would. I I read interviews with Lee Winnell about the possibility of a sequel. He said that he never goes to make a movie with intentions of making a sequel, which is he never wrote Saw with the idea of making a sequel out of it. And yet seven came out. of And that. how many, what saw 19 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Did I remember the, all the sequels that the tagline was always just when you thought it was the end, it's actually the beginning. That's like, sound like fast and furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but saw in space there. I said it. I'll, to bring it back to a previous conversation on the fast and furious. I would love to see fast and furious in space. <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> That'd be interesting, but um, but yeah, he's he. Lee Winnell says he never r- writes his movies with the intentions of making sequels and just to have them happen organically. It may happen. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, this is this isn't his biggest, you know, film that is. It's not his biggest success, but it's still a success. It's grossed sixteen point five million worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad at all. Yeah, especially for the budget of three to five. Like of that's yeah. He's, he knows how to make a low budget movie. Him and him and the James Wan and Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse especially. Mm-hmm. That guy knows how to make money. And jeez. Did you end up seeing The Invisible Man yet? No, because um of the whole yeah, yeah. happening. So I can't. I didn't uh, I guess I could rent it on iTunes, I believe it's I yeah, you I think it's available for twenty bucks. Definitely have to see what this man did right after uh, upgrade. But um to go back to it, uh I mean, yeah, upgrade at the end of the day. I thought it was pretty solid film. Um, action, the humor. Uh, they said that it's Six Million Dollar Man meets uh, Death Wish. <laughs> I was like, it sounds about right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What if they had the sound effects from Six Million Dollar Man? That. <laughs> it would take- would, now that one, I would watch that even. I'd watch that for a third time. I now, to bring it back to the possibility of a sequel, uh, you know, uh, Lee Winnell said in uh, in an interview on Forbes magazine with Simon Thompson, he said that of all the franchises that I've been involved in with uh, have happened accidentally. None of them were created with sequels in mind. I'm too suspicious about movies to think about a sequel. I feel that sequels before their time is an assumption of success, which is not something that I like to dabble with. Hmm. I can respect that. Maybe it'll just end like uh, Inception to where it's very open-ended, but at the same time, it's still a closure of the story of what he was saying. But I still kind of see, I see upgrade part two. I I see an upgrade part two. I I don't think that they would, I don't think that producers really would would be uh, objective to that. And, you know, Lee Winnell and James Wan, both of them have created franchises already i mean you have saw you have insidious you have yeah yeah well what's the other one they did they did another one didn't they uh saw insidious and then well they did they did those two i mean that's the two is more than none anyways yeah i think it's just those two i mean they're still billion dollar franchises i mean saw alone has made at least that franchise has made at least a billion dollars at least and uh, insidious the first one was made for 1.5 million i mean the turnaround on that is just un unmentionable like paranormal activity type deal it's insane to think about that kind of money to make to think about that but that's all that's all um 
Thanks to uh, Jason Bloom, in my opinion. The man is very smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows where to put the money, where to make the movie successful. I mean, the, the, I, I didn't even really, I don't even really remember seeing any promotional items for Upgrade. And it was still a massive success. What do you think about uh, the comparisons to Venom? I've read about those. I think that there are a lot. <laughs> There's definitely a lot. Even so much so that t- Tom Hardy lookalike is yeah, <laughs> playing I mean, the character. According to Lee Winnell, he never read Venom or knew anything about them prior to making this movie. So I believe him. I do too, because if I was to hear a Venom movie coming out, I wouldn't think it would be like the way it was, like a comedy spoof of the symbiote that takes over, but it's like its own thing that's controlling Tom Hardy, especially after seeing how they did that in Spider-Man 3. Granted, it's not the best representation of Venom, but it's kind of like you would think that it's just put on the suit and yeah, voila, you're this god-like thing. But so yeah, I, I definitely believe uh, Lee didn't know much about Venom or didn't think that it would be similar to his own film, no, especially I, with it coming out before that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think much into that. Uh, what do you think about the the similarities with uh, RoboCop and the Crow? Uh, uh, I see it, but I don't know. I don't know uh, what to say about that. I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of similarities. Well, his RoboCop-like movements, that's to be whatever. But I think that a lot of, um, a lot of reviewers that I've read about, they thought that uh, um, uh, Logan Marshall Green's interpretation of walking like a robot was not quite as comical as with RoboCop, which is mm-hmm. like, uh, they're not even the same. I mean... They're not. They're not the same at all. I, first I off, get... first off, his walk also was uh, integrated with the cinematography. That's mm-hmm. what made it, you know, unique. That's that's how you could visually tell when Stem was taking over to where RoboCop just had, you know, his arms and legs. He was an, like a he robot. was a whole robot. I yeah. mean, the only thing that was him that was left, I think, was part of his hand and his face and some of his chest. Other than that, it was literally all robot. And with with Gray, it's Stem's interpretation of what a, a human would walk like. So, so I mean, he wouldn't be moving like a normal person, but it's still kind of like he would move the way he's moving, which I thought was great. And in comparisons with the crow, awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very very well put um, similarities where it's a man coming back to avenge the death of his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another quick uh, question. You notice uh, all Leo 1L's films are shot in Australia, too? Did you know that? Well, yeah, he's Australian. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the end of that conversation. (laughs) The reason I brought that up is because... um, when I see these uh, films and I see the budget for it, I feel like, couldn't they save a little more if they came here to like Atlanta or something? I think they could as well, but I think that because he is an Australian man, he probably wants to generate the money for Australia. Same thing with James Wan. He, is, um, he has Filipino ancestry, but he still has very strong connections to Australia. He considers himself an Australian man. So gotcha. they want to make more money for their, for their home country. I, I, don't, I don't have any objections to that. I think that's pretty cool. But if they wanted to have make they wanted to have their money go a little bit further i think it'd be a smarter move to take it to here or you know north carolina or louisiana i would think that'd be a smarter choice but you know 
You see what they're doing with it, so I get yeah. that. I get that. I mean, they I mean, easily a lot of these scenes could have been substituted in Atlanta. Easily. I mean, the all the interior stuff obviously could have been done on a stage. You know, the um, the first bad guy's place that he when he takes the knife and shoves it in his mouth, that could have been anywhere, anywhere in Atlanta or Georgia in general. You know, the dock scene um, that could have been anywhere here in Georgia. It could have taken that to Savannah, or hell, you could have even taken it to Lake Lanier. Yeah, yeah, anywhere so, it could have been. That's what I was saying. Like the more you watch, it, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure they could have saved a little bit more if they came here. But you know, they, at they the end of the day, a couple bucks. But you know, eh, yeah. Uh, what other uh, notes do you have over there about um, uh, Chris? No, uh, just a few quick, uh, just a few small things. Really, uh, I thought it was noteworthy. Logan Marshall Green, uh, shortly after doing this, he wrote and directed his first film called Adopt a Highway, which is about a homeless man played by Ethan Hawke finding a baby in a dumpster. Oh wow! And that was also uh, co-starring the lady who played Cortez, Betty Gabriel. She she's co-starred in that movie as well. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of neat that it, that he uh, that Logan decided to take a stab at writing and directing. No, I hear anything about that. Uh, I mean, I didn't really hear anything about it either. I mean, there's a lot of movies that come out that you know we very rarely. I didn't hear about Upgrade actually until my friend Mark told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just decided to finally watch it. You know. Okay. Um, this movie, uh, a lot of a lot of folks seem to like it, especially is a. I think it's safe to say to call this a hidden gem. That if you see this Definitely. on Netflix, strongly recommend people checking it out. I think it's um, on Hulu right now if you have a HBO subscription. Oh, okay. So, I, I've always seen it on uh, Netflix in the horror genre. I don't think that this is a horror film. Do you think of this as a horror film? It's body horror. Body <laughs> horror. <laughs> so it's, it's, like, it's like horror in the same way that uh, Black Mirror is horror. Yeah, like thriller, if anything. Thriller. It's more of a th- drama thriller. I don't know. I think that people, that I think people that like all kinds of movies would enjoy this film. Yeah. If you're a diehard comedy fan, I don't think you'll really like this. No. But if you like action films, definitely up your alley. Yeah. Uh, dramas, yes, crime dramas. My mom likes a lot of drama films, so I've told her about this movie. She's like, "Oh, I'll check it out." Yeah, um, I think the only horror in this film is what is outside the story. It's basically, the world that looks not too far from us. I'm such a low budget <laughs> as well. So yeah, it's it's. And nuts. The uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the uh, the stunt coordinator, sure. uh, Chris Anderson. He has 113 credits to his name as of this recording. Okay, and he started out in stunts in 1976, and some of his movies were Mad Max, which was shot in Australia as well, mm-hmm. uh, Fortress, which was a 1992 science fiction thriller. If you saw that, starring Christoph Lambert in a um, futuristic uh, prison, mm-hmm. really good movie. Um, the television remake of Flipper. He was the stunt coordinator on that. Really? Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> and he did Crocodile Dundee in Las Vegas and King Kong, the remake. Oh, Peter with Peter Jackson. Jackson? Yeah. He was oh. stunt coordinator on all those movies. Um, yeah, he definitely had his work cut out for him in this film, in my opinion. There was a lot of, I don't know, how do you how do you move like a robot and still kick everyone's ass? Like, what what are your... What do you base that on? I mean, we can go on the Matrix, but is that really? That's not. That's more the computer talking to you. So you're acting as the computer, right? Not the computer acting as you. So I think that was an interesting look at, like how how hard that would have been for him to go through. I think he did a great job with uh with the end result. Oh hell yeah! I mean the the you know the the knife through the mouth, and then you get Tolan who's all. 
that when he first did that, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty gruesome. That that's that's Saw coming in. Uh, Hell you know, yeah, that's Leonel, like. Like it reminded me of a uh, Sam Raimi Evil Dead and Spider Man Two scene. Yeah. Like, well, I was showing your true colors for a, a second. Yeah. Just in case y'all forgot, I'm still here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, uh, then he uh, when he kills Tolan, I don't think Tolan got as gruesome of a death as the other guys did. He kind of cuts up his face, but it's like darkly lit. So he doesn't really get the just desserts as the other guy. Like, the other guy gets the shotgun to the face. I mean, come on. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather take a shotgun to the face than uh, well, cut through my well, mouth I, up to my... Let, let, let me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, why? Because it wasn't lit correctly. <laughs> so I don't think that would matter to me. <laughs> the sunlight <laughs> through the window for my death. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me, let me re-say that. Um, I feel like his death wasn't... Um, not, uh, his death was horrible, but it wasn't as showcased as the other deaths. You know, the other deaths were, you're like, whoa, knife to the mouth. Oh my God. Shotgun to the face. I think maybe the others is because we've seen the others done a hundred times in cinema. Okay. Shotgun to the face or a stab in the back, you know, so they have, I mean, well, I mean but I've never, I don't, I can't tell you the last movie I saw a knife through the mouth and then just I really through, don't like, maybe that's in a saw movie that I've never seen. Maybe but, in a Rambo movie. I know in the last Rambo, he rips out a guy's heart quite literally. Are you sure we're talking about Rambo or temple of doom? No Rambo last blood. You got to watch it. Oh, he shoots the guy with a with an arrow, pins him up against his uh, barnyard, punches him through the heart, pulls it out, and then he's like, "Sounds like Temple of Doom." <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, but just for me, the opposite uh, reason asked for that. Like nah, that death is a little gruesome. This is not even. A it's more of a sound effect death than anything. Yeah, but the way they do it, it just it comes off to where like. Yeah, that just threw me off. Especially with the fact before that happened, I was more so laughing. And that's because of uh, Logan's performance to where he's like, oh my gosh, Stan, what am I doing? What? This is crazy. As he's literally hitting it with all these plates. <laughs> I guess, this Please, is... man, just 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 stay down, man. It's, oh my God, he's got enough. So do we. Wham, <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> like this damn evil Jarvis. You now have full control. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, he's like what? Dude, like I'll have to get out of here, but I have to wipe off all my fingerprints. How the hell am I supposed to know what I wiped everything off on? I have a full record of everything that you touched. <laughs> like, and again, that's just depicting of how this is the positives, but at the end, it's all one big negative. <laughs> <sighs> again, I, I don't to jump back into that. I don't want to try to jump back into that too more. Uh, <laughs> ugh, scary. Anyway. Um, what about uh, rate? No, do you have a few more on on that paper right there? Which one? That one right there. Um, this was just uh, this is just a few little notes that I had. Uh, his second kill, which was the bathroom slice. Uh, third kill was the head being blown off, and then the fourth one, he uses his brother against him. He uses his brother against him. Um, like his fellow brother. Oh, okay. So it's like he uh has it's like him against. Uh, Aaron. Mm-hmm. So then he would, and then it's like, eh. I don't know. I felt that death wasn't really as great as it could have been. And he just, you know, blatantly just shoots the, um, shoots the cop. And it's like, yeah, there's death. But it's like, 
I think we, we've already been beat to death with the violence at that point. So it's like, yeah, we'll just do a quick one right here. They're just trying to finish the movie before you go back and think about that twist ending of how it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, right. They're like, all right, just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> let's just, let's just end it. Cut the check. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, some, some, some people, some, some reviewers out there didn't really like it as much. Uh, New York Times didn't really enjoy it too, too much whenever this film came out. Uh, they said Upgrade is an energetic, superficially slick, later-day B-movie for the butt-dumb category. That is kind of like Robocop, but dumb And also like Ex Machina, but dumb In this respect, the movie manages to be pretty funny, and the grisliness of the action, while in sense entirely deplorable, adds to the kicks, as do the plot twists, which are satisfying in a, you guessed it, dumb way. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like it was a I dumb would, movie. I think RoboCop is more dumb. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, RoboCop in general. I mean, uh, um, Peter Verhoeven. I mean, he just makes over the top films, and if you don't get that from watching his movies, I mean, uh, you know, God help you. But right. Ex Machina was not meant to be um, a slapstick or stupid movie. That was a very, very dark drama. Right. And it's so, like, who can you really trust? Such as Upgrade. Yes, so. I will, yeah, exactly. But I think the I think the 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 reviewer from New York I don't think New York Times really got it when they watched the movie. But that happens sometimes. You can't really, you know, not everybody's gonna get movies the way you get them. You know, right? So it's yeah. Who knows? Oh, you know, uh, one more thing to to go back to this horridness of it. Just one more thing. Sure. Even the title upgrade. Some people may look at that and like, oh yeah, I would love to get implanted with that so I could be. Yeah. upgraded myself to this whole new uh person you know just simple things like that marketing you just call it upgrade the upgrade and mm-hmm. it's just like this is not good guys but uh the way they say it is like no if you do that all these good things can happen to you all these uh you can now learn to do everything that you've always wanted to do yeah you can learn languages you can learn uh, martial arts it's just gosh Aren't you selling your soul at a certain point? Don't you think? I'd be or? more interested in how much this would cost. If oh. this was a real thing, how much? How many? How much do you think it would cost? Um, hundred thousand less. I don't know because it's like on one end, the way I see it, the back side is that they they're controlling you and they want it in you, so it's like they have to be reasonable about their price. So I don't know. I would say. Maybe as much as it is to have surgery. Isn't this kind of like that? Um, the uh, the golden compass? No, not the golden compass. Shoot, the golden circle. What was that? Um, In Kingsman. Kingsman. Isn't this the same thing from Kingsman? Sort of. Isn't this what what uh, Samuel no. Jackson's character is pitching the free Wi Fi oh, for everybody? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this is just that like a one. dark version of Kingsman. Yeah, so the way Kingsman did it. Um, which again shows at the end of it, the chips just don't. It's not good. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, not the golden circle. You are talking about uh, uh, the first one? What's the first one called? That uh, awesome fight scene. The Se- Kingsman, the Secret Service. That's what it's called. Yeah, the amazing fight scene in the church. But <laughs> um, yeah, but the way they did it in that film was that uh, they are trying to chip everyone that they want to save and uh, eradicate everyone around them. So in a way, it's like take the chip or you die. So they're playing off of that. However, in the film, it's uh, vice versa. You actually take the chip, you uh, die first, and everyone else lives. So it's kind of like in a way, like they're going off the the religious uh, point about it because they say if you take the chip uh, or the mark of the beast, 
you know, you will quote unquote go to hell or go to a bad place while everyone else, they'll be taken by God or Jesus to a better place, hmm. to say the least. But the way Kingsman did it is like uh, those who take the chip, they're thinking that they are going to be saved. But in reality, it is exactly how it is in the Bible to where, no, you actually are, well, in the film, they just die. But in the Bible, they go to hell. So, and he guess is, Well, he would be almost in hell. Think about it. Because if everything is going to, he's he's in an alternate version of what a reality would be. So he's stuck almost like in a hell, but it seems like it's a hell. Are you talking about Kingsman or uh, I'm talking about upgrade. Uh, upgrade? But um, uh, last thing with Kingsman, which is the most ironic part, is that Samuel Jackson, the one who created all this, didn't even take the chip himself. He's like, <laughs> you think I was stupid enough to put that inside me? <laughs> no. Like, no, I was just going to be in that room and wait until it was all over. <laughs> so it's just like, just, again, they're showing that this is more than likely, yeah, this is what's going to happen uh, later on in the future. And scary as it is to say, it's kind of about your choice and how you're going to go about it. But there's, uh, there's other ways. I mean, you could also remember they tried with Google Google Glass. I remember that. What happened with that? Yeah, it just went up because nobody, nobody wanted it because that was literally too much for people to handle. Like you could have everything sent directly to your glasses and you could read it right in front of you. I don't think that's quite what people would want to have. But as far as an any- implant goes, if you're are automatically being sent information, I think people would focus more on the positive aspects of an implant. If it was, if you could have your own personal system inside of you that only you could hear, if you were like, uh, you know, I want to listen to this song, it would play the song only for you. And you could hear it at exact levels that you would want to hear it. It still feels like there's more negatives to that. There's way more negatives. Oh yeah. Cause then you wouldn't have any control over it. And someone would be looking at what you're doing uh, what you're thinking, maybe what you're thinking, which is even worse because you don't ever want everybody. You don't you never want to know what somebody else is thinking, in, right. in my opinion. And if someone else is reading your what you're thinking, they're interpreting what you're thinking from their point of view, which is even worse. Right. As we all know that uh, you know, whenever you tell a joke and it fails, so it's like, well, I as terrible as it is, um, I really do hope that that is how it goes. Like maybe. When this does quote unquote become more popular, much more people will decline that. And like Google Glasses, it was a trial at the very least. Yeah, that was and, a huge failure. I can't I can't remember how much they cost, but it was almost like the price of a car. I think. Oh wow! I think it was like no, it wasn't quite that much, but it, it was it wasn't it wasn't like good enough to buy. You know what I mean? You know how I you the way I want to look at this film because the reason again I look at this is from a horror point of view because it's like I feel like this is where we're going to I want to look at this film like the movie 2012 before <laughs> 2012 was the year <laughs> so everyone was looking at this film like Jesus yeah. they, shit's going bad man John Cusack where's your limo yeah but they weren't looking at it from the character they're just looking at it like this is what the world is probably going to be 2012 now that 2012 has moved on and in the there was so many I don't want to say memes because the memes weren't big at the time but there was like uh, I guess like quotes they were saying like after whatever day that was in 2012 was that November or whatever it day it was something they said after that day in 2012, the movie 2012 is now going to be uh, an official comedy. <laughs> going back and like, whew, glad we dodged that bullet, whatever. I hope that's how Upgrade will be for me. Not exactly like I will look at it as a comedy, but like I can go back and remember like, oh, I remember when that was about to come up to play. But we all said, 
nope and got yeah. rid of that and kept on moving with our lives and technology again to me technology can be a, for me personally it could be this bubble all around me as much as you want to advance or go nuts or crazy but when you go within my flesh that's when i'm like no 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 what then, about like time traveling cops in the movie time cop what do you think about that you can go back in the past and get busted for something that you did back then or the future what do you think about that I, that was always my biggest problem with Time Cop. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, that, first off, time travel, <laughs> you shouldn't do that whatsoever. I mean, to me, it's like obviously time travel is quote unquote fictional. It's quote unquote because you don't know what's going on in this world. They, we would never know even if time travel was a possibility. We right. Would, it would, we would never know unless we actually did it. Yeah. So with that being said, it's like uh, no matter what the uh, – when it comes to time travel – the point is going uh, to the past. I'm almost getting off track of upgrade for a second. So to go from uh, microchi- microchips to uh, time travel for a second. If you go back in time, the point is you do something. It still creates a ripple effect to where just because this doesn't happen, something else will. There's always going to be pros and cons no matter what happens. Every day we're going to wake up, there's going to be something good and bad that happen to the world. And just because you take out all the bad doesn't mean you're replacing it with all the good. You're just creating a new bad while replacing that good. There's always a yin and yang. There's a good and an evil. You can't eradicate one completely. That's why there's all these movies of when so much shit that goes haywire or bad, there's always hope at the end of the day because there's some good out there. And whenever there's too much good, there's antagonists or evil coming in and sometimes we're just following that because it's like that's the more interesting part about it but the whole point is there's never there will never be a stop to that so yeah uh with that being said though chris let's 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 talk about the ratings you know because yeah again again that's my look on protagonist antagonist yin and yang but let's get back to upgrade for a second <laughs> yeah. let's, go, let's go back to the main course here yeah <laughs> um so it seemed like when this movie came out, it was pretty well liked all around. Uh, there's not too many negative reviews for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Abrams on Roger Ebert gave it a three out of five. I think that's a fair number. That's fair. Uh, he said that the key to enjoying Upgrade is relishing in the over-the-top characterizations, plot twists, and cheesiness. Upgrade may not be a capital G good film, but it's a very enjoyable one. Which I think it's that's fair. That's a, I mean, if you're not looking into this movie as too serious but with a serious undertone mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a fair assessment of it what would you uh give the rating or uh is there imdb rating you got over there or? oh you you know <laughs> yeah i was like i want to hear all your <laughs> which ratings. one do you not want is that <laughs> more importantly uh, so on rotten tomatoes this gets an 86 percent okay which is good uh it gets 88 percent with the audience 67 meta which is really impressive considering um, the meta score is collective of all the different reviewers. Mm. And on IMDb, it gets a 7.8 out of 10. Okay, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Uh, if you were to give it a rating with a letter grade, what would you give it? I'd give this a B plus, totally. Fair Maybe enough. an A minus. I don't know. I, don't, I, I think that there's a little bit more that could be explained with Grey. Um, not so much that I think a sequel but I think if there's an extended cut of this film, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a half an hour more, I would feel a little bit better about giving it an A+. Uh, overall, I feel it was a great film, very enjoyable. I would find it difficult to find someone who would not like this movie. 
I liked how there's a very hands-on feel to it. It felt very raw. It felt like a lot of heart and emotion went into making this movie. Uh, even everything about it, just the uh, the Aaron character, he felt very real to me. I thought that was a Dane DeHaan type of uh, character. I'm sorry, say the name again. Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. Yeah, he was a he was a. Have you seen A Cure for Wellness? No. Have you seen Amazing Spider-Man Two? No. Have you seen? Uh... Well, let's just go through. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the list of things I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, that's probably the oh Chronicle. Oh yeah, Chronicle. Yeah, yeah, he was the one that went crazy. Oh, of the trio. Okay, it's been a while, but man, I liked I liked that movie Chronicle yeah. a lot. You know, I felt like those guys really did have magical powers. Mm-hmm. I was like, how the hell, how did they do that? It could have been directed by Lee One for all we know. <laughs> Low budget, but still make it. Turns uh, out it was. <laughs> yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't know. When I saw Aaron, I thought that was a Danny Han uh, type of role. If you uh, Google uh, Danny Han, I'm pretty sure you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, oh, you know, speaking of that, one other thing about that, uh, something about upgrade that feels like the future. There's a friend of mine who thinks that uh, with conspiracy theories and all that, that we quote unquote live in the Hunger Games world today. <laughs> Not exactly depicted like the movie, but the way that we are living within a certain circle. And uh, the people watching over us. And she even uh, went off to the point to where it was like they're even controlling the weather. Uh, I find that one. Well, continue. I was like, I don't know how that works, but I'm not, you know, singling it out is possible, whatever the case may be. But uh, in the movie Upgrade, when we are first introduced to uh, Aaron, if you remember, he He has this cloud that he's controlling the weather. Yeah, I don't know how that would be possible to be able to do that because isn't when the clouds and everything are they're made out of evaporated uh, water, isn't it? Can we not control the water? Can we create water without it? Who knows? With how the would you be able to create? Well, you'd have to create water first and then evaporate it and then create. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's an artificial way to do that. When I mean, you put a you put saran wrap over a uh, cup with water in it, you get condensation. Mm-hmm. But that comes from the water. But ah, oh, man, yeah. With that being said, it was just like one of those things to where when uh, she saw that clip, she lost her shit, to be honest. She just like, I told you we were living in the Hunger Games. They're showing us this in the movie right now, yada, yada. And it's like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I get your point. Can we just move on? Because yeah. there's already a lot of an upgrade that's kind of killing me, to be honest. Well, if we could control the weather, I wish we could help help out uh, Georgia here and with the humidity. I'm just pointing it out there. It's a little bit much. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with everything else in Georgia. The humidity, mm-hmm. the pollen. If we could kind of cut that out, I'd be all Tone right. Tone it down I mean, a bit. I mean, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm, you know. All right. Help me help you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, to go back to the ratings, I'm, I'm sorry. It was just something I had to uh, throw in there. Um, I actually would uh, also agree with you with giving it a B plus. You know, um, if we're looking at it from a science fictional point of view, it's fun. Uh, you have characters that you want to follow. Uh, Logan does a great job as uh, the protagonist in the film. The Again, the kick-ass action scenes were beautiful. And it's like for Lee to do this on such a low budget, it's, it's if anything, it's inspirational. Oh, my God. The yeah. way I, I look mean, at it. That's what, that's what I look at the Saw movies. I look at Insidious. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these 
um, in like Lee Winnell and James Wan movies, it's nothing but inspiration because these guys can literally make an amazing story shot beautifully with a minimalist budget. And it's just, they know exactly where the money should go, which makes it even, makes it so beautiful. I would just like to mention the cinematographer for a minute, Stefan uh, Ducio. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's his, what his work was on this was just beautiful. Uh, there's no other word for it. It's just beautiful. Uh, I looked him up and he only shot like a handful of short films, a few indies, and uh, he did Beyonce's Ghost and Mind music videos before he did this. Wow. He also shot The Invisible Man to come out. Of course. Of Almost course. everybody involved in this did went to The Invisible Man. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's like that, that far out of the question. But yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's some dynamite cinematography. Mm-hmm. And I hope they continue. I wonder what Lee's uh, big, what his uh, biggest project is going to be in the future. Because you know, like how James Wan, I think his bitch, biggest bitches, <laughs> his biggest project he has ever done is to this day Aquaman. Yeah, no, yeah, that or fat was it? Fast Seven that he did. Oh yeah, he did do Fast Seven. But Fast Seven was pretty big, but I don't know. That's no Aquaman. Yeah, that, that that is a lot of moving parts with Aquaman. I don't know if. What do you think that he should tackle on after after seeing him in the Invisible Man, after mm. seeing Lee Whannell doing Upgrade? What do you think would be a good move for him? I mean, he loves the genre of horror. He loves science fiction. Would you be interested in seeing him doing, say, like a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Strictly kidding. I was like, <laughs> I got the planes part. Of the tra- oh no, not that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he could have directed uh, the Matrix Four. That could have been a big budget that I feel like Lee would have been able to tackle. But would you like to see him doing something that's not for him to do? Like, what if they did uh, a remake of Clue? Mm. Or a comedy? What about a romantic comedy? I don't know. That's that's very hard, you know, because you've seen many filmmakers who tackle uh, different genres and they completely miss the mark. Even like, yeah, I mean, they do, but if they do it right, and I feel like Lee Winnell, given his minimalist budget background, he could do it right. And if he doesn't do like a big budget thing, I think if he keeps it around five to ten million, I think he can make a dynamite any type of movie. I don't know. Maybe we'll see how he does comedy. And it depends on. And here's the thing too: is like with comedy, uh, if he was to do it, it, depends on what kind of humor he does. Like you doing Jude Apatow humor, or you doing Edgar Wright humor on such a. I can see him doing some Edgar Wright type of humor I with such a that. low budget. Like I can see him uh, taking inspiration from that direction. I can see him doing something similar to uh, Murder Party. If you ever saw that, Mm-mm. that's a, a very low budget film about a guy who gets an invitation to a murder party on Halloween and he goes to the place and it turns out it's by a group of art house people who are there to commit a murder for the sake of art. I could see him do it's It's a pretty funny movie. Um, but I, I could see him doing something like that. Or maybe he'll do invisible man too. <laughs> I don't know for all these movies. Like you say, you don't really see yourself doing sequels for you're really leaving some open ending type of, franchises here you know you know what he sounds like to me he sounds like jim carrey back in the 90s like jim <laughs> carrey we did all these films that like there's a no-brainer there there should be sequels for them and jim yeah. carrey's like nah i don't want to do sequels you know because it just you know takes away from the challenges of being an actor you get stuck playing one character which on one hand i completely understand what you're saying but on the other 
then stop making franchise yeah. beginnings like the, the mask obviously that can be a sequel that could so be a sequel um but they didn't they didn't make a sequel to that till later they made uh the, the cartoon remember um the mask the cartoon because they had dumb and dumber I the thought, cartoon ace ventura the cartoon and the mask cartoon all right, come out because, at the same time but you know why they're doing the cartoons because jim carrey's not coming back to do the sequel so it's like why are you doing this then? Why are you why are you playing with us? It looks like you're teasing us at the same time. So it's like He's like, I'm gonna do Liar Liar, which is still a fantastic movie. And he could have done a that's okay. Thank God he didn't do a sequel to that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying the possibility could have been there. But then they wanted to make all these uh different these carry less sequels, Son of the Mask, Evan Almighty, Dumb and Dumber, which wow, these were like not even so bad they're good these are just rottenly terrible yeah. dumb and dumber was whew. yeah so, but with all that being said i with that being said filmmakers do not take lee one l's projects and make sequels like jim carrey sequels do not do that if he says no we say no <laughs> <laughs> you know but um i don't know we'll see it may, it may be an upgrade too they may be invisible man too Oh, you guys see The Invisible Man. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, ends. I definitely have all intentions of going to see it. I was going to go see it because I think I remember I told you about that. How I was, yeah. was going to go see it, but then we they they stopped all the movie theaters here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that loan, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a sequel to that. If I'm not mistaken, that made $100 million Yeah. It's like two weeks mm-hmm. that was in the theaters. So that's, even, that's a, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a bank easily. It, this is before the virus. So yeah. this low budget film has made quite its money back before it got shut down. Oh yeah. So we'll see what happens. But Chris, you know, I want to thank you for coming to talk to me about uh, the film Upgrade. I'm glad you liked it. And I, I'm glad I got somebody to express how I feel behind the scenes about this film out too. So I'm actually very appreciative about this episode, to be honest. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on here. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind telling the good people out there where they can find you and if you're doing any other projects, whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, CLK264. Uh, I mainly just post photos of hiking. I'm a big fan of hiking. Um, but I, I'm starting up a podcast with my girlfriend. Uh, she's from Germany. So I've been showing her a lot of American films that she didn't know about. And then we're talking about it on the on the podcast, uh, getting her response to them and doing an in-depth analysis on the films and talking about the history of making them and where they came from and where they are now. Uh, that'd be called, that'll be called classic American movies. I'm hoping to have that released before the summer. Um, uh, that should be available on iTunes as soon as, as soon as I can hope, hopefully in the next couple of months. And then in between that, um, I'll be releasing, uh, cult classics with Chris as Baruch knows that I am a huge fan of cult classic horror films and I just love them so much. I love reading about them and talking about the people who are involved in making them. And I've been reaching out to those involved in making cult classic films and doing a one-on-one interview with them to get their side of the story about making of the movie. Mm-hmm. So then I'll be releasing those interviews in between releasing of classic American movie podcast with um, then. All right. Sounds, I feel like you would get along with Quentin Tarantino. Like <laughs> Y'all have the longest conversation just talking about cult I, classic films. I've heard that from several... So I've had several friends that worked with Tarantino, and they said that you... like They're like, man, you two would get along really well just mm-hmm. talking back and forth about films. I was like, I, I take that as a compliment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just don't bring your phone to a set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling y'all, they do not do that. You, you no, know? I met a guy who is the, who's the phone collector. He was he he's he's working here in Atlanta now. Oh, really? He told me it's it's true. 
he was the phone collector. He's like every day he was right outside a set with his box and mm-hmm. the pouches and everything. Tarantino was like, Tarantino was like, we're not bringing no chips on my set. <laughs> Ain't no upgrade happening in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you guys can follow me on Instagram at I'm the filmmaker. Uh, I want to know what you guys thought about Upgrade. Did you like it? What are your thoughts on not just the movie, but maybe like the world that we're heading to? Like, is Upgrade a little foreshadowing? You know, whatever it is, again, let us know in the comment section below. And guys, thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on Movies on Our Minds.